You've survived the worst. Trauma, loss, rejection. The reality is, your pain can be a crutch, or it can be the thing that launches you. You're listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience true freedom and breakthrough. Tune in each week as guests share their incredible life lessons from their personal stories and hear from experts who can give you the tools you need to stop surviving and start thriving. Here to help you find purpose through your pain is your host, Joseph James. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great show of Purpose Through Pain podcast. I am your host, Joseph James, and today we have a very beautiful young lady. She's a daughter. She's a mother. She's a friend. She's a loved one uh, that has found in her, her soul and purpose and mission to build a legacy of love for a better world, for her family, community, and society. She has been doing developmental work for over the last two decades in psychology and social work and mental health and medical, uh, doing holistic work and in wellness fields. She is a professional and organizing entrepreneur. She is the creator and innovative customary life transformational journey, utilizing the power of healing and forgiveness, which we can all use. And it's called play plan life according to you. She takes pride in providing the best content. Her goals are to inspire and build a legacy of love to better the world and empowering all with whom she meets to achieve and surpass their fullest potential. She is also a, and I know I'm going to butcher this part, but she has a very huge connection with Les Brown. If you have never heard of Les Brown, he is the motivational speaker of motivational speakers. And she has a, a great learning under him. And Ms. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm truly honored. Absolutely, Joseph. Thank you so much for having me. Good afternoon. Good morning. Welcome. And for those who are on the Puega, welcome again. I'm excited to be here. And yes, I have been mentored under the guru, Mr. Les Brown, a motivational speaker. We share a lot alike. You know, we our stories are so similar of being in fellow adoptees and not knowing where we came from and kind of filling that void of identity. But through our passion and our pride, we have found ourselves fullest potential, answered the call, fulfilled our mission, and is bringing our message worldwide. Thank you so much, Joe. Back to you. Yes, ma'am. It is it's truly just an honor. And we had a chance to talk a little bit about background and just to our listeners there's a premise behind her background, and I want you to take us all the way back to Colombia, South America. South, not South Carolina, everyone, South America, okay? Drug capital of the world, violence, crime, you name it. And I've actually been there, there as well as uh, Bogota, uh, to Bogota and Cali, uh, Colombia. Uh, several years ago, we, a white individual, <laughs> had had kidnapped insurance on me. So uh, just in case anything happened, but you were born there and then your life took a big turn by the age of 11 months. Take us into that, Andrea. Absolutely. So we're all sitting down, grab that cup of tea or coffee, and here's my story. See, I was born torn during the war-torn drug zone era at its prime of the cartel of that of Colombia, South America. 
My parents were unable to care for themselves, let alone myself, and they made the ultimate sacrifice in putting me up for adoption. So at 11 months, 11 pounds, I was welcomed with open arms, unconditional love and the loving arms of my adoptive family in America. At seven years old, they had blessed and granted me a treasure and a tragedy. Treasure was that I was a gift to them of life, fortune and freedom and to have an, and to start my life again. Unbeknownst to them, the tragedy for me was a loss of identity. At seven years old, you're kind of learning, you know, the tricks of the trades of the life you lead. You're usually in first grade learning how to read, how to connect, and how to be social. But for me, it was on the other side of the coin where I was not fitting in. I spoke differently, I looked differently, and I acted differently. And then to be realized that and told that I was adopted. My parents said that they, when I was ready, if I was willing to, they would help me reclaim my parents at an older age. This was hard for me where I'm still trying to develop my identity. I would look in the mirror even to this day, wondering who I look like. What do I sound like? I've never been back. And so when I realized this, as I grew up in the you know childhood years, I was still not fitting in. I was getting bullied, abused, neglected, where I would fear being in the social realm of individuals, where I would go into the bathroom, sitting on the throne, eating my lunch, just to be mindful and, 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 and be you know away from those who would bully me, thrown into trash cans, thrown into lockers, you name it. The safe haven was that of my family. They said to me at a yearly young age, Andrea, no matter what you do, do it with integrity, do your best and follow your passion. This allowed me to fast forward into the industries of social work and psychology, where I understood the cultural diversities of the world. And I was able to learn about the science behind what people do and why they did what they did and why they didn't do what they did. And after two decades in the industries of the medical, social work, holistic and wellness fields, I was able to find myself. My mission was that of my message. Fast forward to October 2020, for me, that was a year of clarity. Thumbing through the social media, Mr. Brown's face came to fruition. Now I've been listening to him for several years. He has been empowered me to be my best. And on the eve of Thanksgiving of 2020, I was able to connect with the gentleman speak with him live and follow his mentorship through an alumni and being a successful alumni of his academy and work with him to this day. He always said, Andrea, dream big, 11 pounds, 11 months, they don't know what's happening. And so when I realized that my walls were crumbling down, that I had to find my better place in this world, I have taken all the knowledge and experience of being overworked and underpaid and created my life transformational journey called Press Play, Plan Life According to You, where I help people achieve personal freedom through the healing power of forgiveness. Thank you. Back to you, Joe. That's very powerful. You know, and when I hear, you know, plan or press play and planning life according to you through healing and forgiveness, 
you know, there's no doubt that when you, the blessing of giving the freedom with a new family, you know, but then also, you, you know, finding out that you've been adopted, finding out that you've been given up, finding out that you've been rejected, finding out that you've been abandoned, you know, th that takes away from people. I mean, it, it's more than just a broken heart. It's almost like a piece that's been removed, you know, and everybody at some point in time experiences some sort of rejection or abandonment, even if it's not intentional, you know, we were discussing earlier, you know, bending down in the grocery store as a young kid and tying my shoe and looking up and noticing that my mom and dad were gone. And you got that frantic feeling that comes over you like, oh, my God, where did they just go? And now you're I remember this happened to me in a flea market, you know, and and I remember looking up and could not find them anywhere. And I'm going from table to table and it took me 10, 15 minutes to find them. But I am I am in a frantic state, you know, and that right there, I'll never forget it. Even though I don't remember what it feels like, I haven't forgotten the memory, you know? And when those things happen, it imprints in us that when it happens again and again and again, we emotionally tie all those things together and they build upon each other. That can lead to, for me, it led to a lot of rejection from my father because I grew up in an abusive family. You know, I was always seeking the approval of my dad. I was always seeking for his love, his affection, his approval, you know, but rejection for me didn't stop there. It continued on in relationships and me having the fear of when I would go to ask out a young girl in third grade and fourth grade, you know, like we all do. Right. You know, and then it went on and on and on. And the word no stemmed all the way back to what when my dad made me feel rejected from his no, you know, which went back all the way to the, the, the very young age of rejection, even though it can come in different forms, it all had the same result in feeling, you know, but for you, when you, when you felt that, what was going on in you at that time, or do you remember what was going on in you at that time that started leading you to the point of, you having a missing identity. Yes, absolutely. I remember when my parents had told me in first grade and when I was seven years old, they had provided me with a book. Why was I adopted? Don't know if they publish it anymore. I know there's a, a, new, a reprint, but this was a long time ago. And it would show the images of being adopted, of being selected. You were a gift out of everyone in the world. Your family chose you. And I was just it, having mixed messages. It was a message of gratitude, of gratefulness. Oh my goodness, I was a prize to my parents. But then it was, you know, your mind kind of wanders. And then you kind of go into solitude. And then you're like, but my own family who created me didn't want me. Was I good enough? Was I not good enough? Did I do something wrong? And you kind of live with those questions. And of course, with my relationships growing up, I was always fearful. Am I going to be enough? I was a people pleaser. I was trying to make people laugh, trying to help people go above and beyond just to be accepted, approved. And it was probably not until my later years after college, because I was even in the career industries. And you're right. It's an underlying thread 
that goes with you until you face it. And one things that I one thing that I learned that I work on with individuals is forgiveness. If you don't face your past, your past will continue to chase it. And that was something that I realized. And you mentioned about this, you know, the the wounds and the feelings and the emotions. And if we don't learn from those scars, then we're going to get burned time and time again in different dynamics with different bystanders and individuals and relationships in our lives. And that's why it's so hard for people to just understand, well, how can I forgive? Doesn't that mean I'm giving them the approval of the upper, upper hand that what they did was right? It's not at all what I'm saying. Right. You're allowing yourself personal freedom because we are the only species in this world that continues, continues to repeat behaviors and self-sabotage because we feel fall victim or we fail. But as Mr. Brown says, someone's opinion of you does not define who you are, become your reality, excuse me, paraphrased. And that is something that I learned throughout my journey that all these false beliefs and these naysayers per se in your mind are not stemmed from your heart. They're stemmed from the incidents and occurrences that have happened before you. And if we don't learn to live in the present, for it is a gift, then our past will continue to haunt us. Yeah, that's that's so powerful about, you know, I, I, I come from a faith-based family, okay? Born and raised in church my whole life, you know, um, I do believe in God. And I also believe in the power of forgiveness. But it's so easy to, I, I wouldn't say it's easy to forgive because that's not always the case for everybody. I think it's easy to forget that the power of forgiveness has a lot to do with ourself more than anything else. Now, the word of God says to forgive others, okay? And we can get to a point of forgiving other people, forgiving your parents for the abandonment, forgiving my dad for the abuse and the rejection. But, and I'll be 43 in just a few weeks in September. And it wasn't until last year, roughly about October, November timeframe, that even in all my years of ministry and all my years of public speaking in churches, in my years of growing up in church, I knew about forgiving myself, but I never went through forgiving myself. And I'm sitting there, I'm driving across this bridge one day, and I'm, I'm, I'm in a relationship at the time, which was the first one since my wife had passed away to cancer. And I'm go all these things that I went through as a child are now resurfacing. Rejection, abandonment, you know, she didn't text me back or she didn't call me or, or you know, all these different things. And I was, I was having issues with that. And I started praying and I'm like, God, forgive me. And it dropped in my spirit. I, I happened to be reading a book and was talking about forgiveness. And it talked about how we have to first forgive ourselves. Because when we can sit there and, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of different listeners out there. There's been people that have been raped. There's been people that have been abused and neglected and have gone through sexual abuse and broken marriages. And we can get to a point of forgiving someone else. And sometimes I don't, I don't want to put on them on a scale of one is easier than the other because they can both be extremely difficult depending on the trauma 
But I think we have a tendency of totally forgetting that we need to forgive ourselves because when we don't, we build up shame. It leads to more trauma, you know, the guilt. And then we start playing in our own mind, like what was happening to you when you were the joy of adoption, but then also the agony of being let go, being rejected, being given up. And our mind starts playing that. And even though you're like, I'm excited that I have a new family, but now my reality also is, is I was given up. You know, was I not good enough? And all those things start coming in and start creeping in. And if we can get to that point of realizing, and for the listeners out there, if you get to that point of saying, you know what, I do forgive myself. We, we shame and blame ourselves for situations that most of the time, if not almost all the time, we had no control over to begin with. You had no control at the, at the age of 11 months, whether you were going to live with your family or being adopted. But I can almost guarantee, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have probably blamed yourself at some point in time for that happening. Am I right? Now, absolutely. And the most amazing quote that I really honed into, especially, you know, I lost my mother, adoptive mother in 2007. And I was just like, really, here we go again. And it's just like, just when I was about to, you know, overcome the abandonment, it was just like, now, now you're taking her too. like, what, 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 what's happening, you know, and the most amazing quote that really helped me was from Lewis B. Smeets. And he said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free, and discover the prisoner is you. And, and that's what I really implemented into my life transformational journey was, you know, this was probably the most powerful excerpt of the journey that I do with individuals. And it's not about forgetting. I'm not at all suggesting that. It, because if you forget, you repeat. It's about healing yourself, allowing yourself to feel, allowing yourself to hurt, allowing you to experience and, and and really hone into all the emotions that are coming with it, you know, because if you don't, it will consume you. Brief example, if I may, is that, you know, I remember a few years after my mother had passed, I was going to work and doing my deal, taking care of my family. And I remember going to, to work and I had school afterwards and I was about to go into my daily routine. I kissed the fellas and I, I left. And then I realized I got back, I got to work. And at the time I would be on inhaler for exercise induced asthma and other pre-existing conditions. And I ended up collapsing, I ended up going to the hospital. They did A through Z tests and everything was fine. Get ready to go work the next day, kind of rested the rest, recouped the rest of the day. And they said, we missed something. Come back to the ER. I said, I'm ready to go to work. I'm fine. You, you gave me a clean bill of health. They said, you are diagnosed with myasthenia gravis. For those of you who don't know, that's a terminal autoimmune condition, almost Graves disease. And it was, this is the reason why I, it is so important to forgive and really be mindful of mental health. Because if you suppress it and you try to beat it and then feel like you, and then you know what, it's not that serious. I I, got to go on, bills to pay. I have to do things and, you know, I have to take care of everybody else. Your health is your number one asset. 
to make a long story short, I ended up going into the hospital that day I was called back for over a week, unable to use all four of my limbs as well as swallow and breathe on my own will. Didn't know what happened. Remember the exchange between my husband and I on the night call as he was tending to our son as he was young at that time and said, do you remember the secret? I said, yes. He's like, remember the excerpt, the medical excerpt. I won't do a spoil alert, but I, per I applied that technique. And less than 24 hours later, the team came in and said, Andrea, if you are unable to breathe and walk on your own will, you will be further, your stay will be extended until further notice. And I said, okay. I draped my feet over the bed, jumped down and <laughs> my petite stature. I was able to walk to the nurse's station upon my own will and back. The final test results came back negative, and I am proud to say clean bill of all my health pre-existing conditions due to mind over matter. I had osteoporinia, four ulcers on a gallbladder that had to be immediately removed, an appendectomy, upper respiratory problems, exercise-induced asthma, rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, and myasthenia gravis. And once I decided at that time I was not giving up, that I had to beat this and I was better than this and I was now to take care of me, that's when my life changed for the second time because I realized I had to forgive myself and not suppress my emotions. And that is the number one key we must remember in today's, especially in today's world. Our mental health and our health status are our number one asset. We should not suppress them. We should listen to our bodies. And if we feel pressure or overwhelmed or overexerting ourselves, we need to step back, have patience, have poise, forget our pride, and take care of ourselves. Yeah. Is it from your professional background and, and opinion, do a lot of people suppress issues that they don't realize they're suppressing just because they're strong-willed individuals? Yes. What the biggest conditions that I've seen in my experience in the social work and psychology realm is there's a difference of facing the problem and replacing the problem. We, we tend to put a Band-Aid over conditions that we feel are kind of big, but not able to really take care of. Oh, well, you know what? That's something that's, that, that's not the immediate right now. Right now I have to get to work. Right now I have to take care of the children. And we have individuals who are constant workers. We have individuals who are constant, you know, uh, try to replace their conditions with something else. And it is our power and our choice Every single second, we have a choice to go right or left. And the famous quote that I've instilled and created of my journey, follow your heart and not the herd, for the herd will lead you to get hurt. And this is something that rang true to me throughout my career because in the social work field, you know, it needs to be upgraded. It needs to be updated. Right now in our society, there's waiting lists upon 18 to 24 months for service. And the individuals providing service are burnt out. For if you're not an empath, or especially if you are an empath, you're absorbing all of the trauma, drama, emotion, and feelings into your own life. And until you are able to debrief 
grieve and allow yourself to heal. That's why the mental health industry has three weeks vacation. But unfortunately, if you live from your heart, you feel guilty because you want to service to others. But in most importantly, we must learn to be selfless, to put ourselves first, and then we could be our best version to take care of others. And I truly believe that people don't want to face their emotions, especially men. You know, we have this label upon men that they're warriors, knight in shining armor, these brutes, these big boisterous men who suppress their feelings. And those are the ones that I empathize with most. You know, I grew up and as I was growing up, I hung out with all of my male cousins. I was the only female at my time. And I'd be on the football field playing with people, horsing around, you know, playing around. And it wasn't until I realized this was the, the, the stereotype for men. It wasn't right for them to feel. It wasn't right for them to heal. And the only time they should is if they lost a loved one and then it's okay. Even that, at their, they have to keep at bay because they have to be strong for the rest of the family. And I think we really need to hone into our emotions. We need to be responsible and aware of our mental health. For that is the key that is going to allow us to go left or right, be happy or not, or be comfortable or really challenge ourselves to be enhance our quality of life. It's amazing to hear how we can, like you said, somebody's facing it, just somebody's replacing it. And I know that I'm guilty of it just because I guess, you know, part of me when I was going through the death of father and my wife almost a month, you know, is I felt I had a strong for my family, of course. But I also, because I'm just a natural active person, I'm very action oriented. I'm like, I have things to do in life. I, I, I can't let this get me down. I can't let this set me back because I've got three kids watching me, you know, and I thought to begin with when my wife passed away is I love to travel and I love to speak and things like that. I'm like, well, if I do some speaking engagements or go to different training seminars for business, then I'll find myself. And I was going six weekends in a row, you know, and by the sixth one, I'm just like, I haven't accomplished anything. I, I'm just, I'm chasing something that's not there and I'm not there. You know, I was trying to chase me, but I wasn't at the end of the Elbrook Road, so to say. I wasn't at the end of the rainbow, you know, and it dawned on me then. I'm like, I'm going about this the wrong way, and I have to start facing these things. And the thing is, is I wasn't trying to run from them. I just didn't know how to deal with them. I, I didn't know what to do, you know, and um, because it can be hard, you, you know, finding whether I need a therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a mental health professional in whatever, whatever aspect, because yes, there's, there, to me, I think there's a lot of them out there and you just don't know who to go to. You don't know how to go to help. You don't know. And I'm just like, okay, God, it's me and you, <laughs> you know? And uh, uh, because I do believe in the power of healing. I do believe in the power of prayer. I do believe in the power of forgiveness. Um, but I also believe that God has put those people in place for a for a reason, without a doubt, you know, and um, uh, me, for me, what kept me going a lot was listening to people like Dr. Les Brown, you know, Tony Robbins, um, 
you know, a lot of different people out there that are in the motivational speaking realm. And for me, I was being motivated, but I wasn't being inspired. There's a big difference, you know, but let me ask you this, talking about inspiration, okay? You're at a point in your life that you have now found out you're growing up and you're still dealing with the trauma of rejection and abandonment, but now you're at the age of choosing a career. Okay. How is that so impactful to you? And was it, was it the fact that you were, you know, uh, abandoned and left up for adoption that led you into the work that you do now? That's a great question. Actually, it's kind of twofold. You know, when I found out and when I was old enough to understand what adoption truly was and what the sacrifices that they have made to send me to America at such a young age, you know, not knowing my future, what was going to happen, kind of empowered me to kind of say, why? What is it that made them make that choice? What is it about their attitude, their mindset, their, you know, their intuition that allowed them to do that rather than to say, you know what, we're going to stay here and ride it out and hope for the best. We'll see what happens. You know, I decided that I wanted to go in social work and psychology because I had so many questions. I had so many questions. Mm And I think that's what's lost in hindsight today is we don't ask enough questions. We take things for face value. And the phrase that is probably my biggest pet peeve is it is what it is. That's not always true. There's always more than one way. There's always more than different perspectives. And as I was going through the social work industry, I learned about it. I was like, okay, well, psychology will take me this route. Institutions, doctors, PhDs, and work with the realm of the science behind it. However, social work will get you in the school systems, in the infantry sector, in the geriatric, in in the mental health prisons and, you know, institutions. And I became a liaison for both of those. I mean, I remember meeting with individuals and I'd have a caseload bikes piled high. And the one thing that I promised myself and that I would always do is I would get a case. I would push the documents aside. And I went in blind. I just wanted to learn about the individual. I wanted to go with no prejudgment. I wanted to go with no or limited information as possible because they would say, Andrea, this person does blah, blah, blah. Okay, thank you. Here's the file. Thank you. I will report back to you after I meet the individual. Because I felt that if I went there with the label, with the stigmatism, with the limited lack of awareness that I have today, I would just see them as their condition is important to me today is their composition not their condition and that is what made me excel in the industries because I went and I met with them and saw them for the individual who they are I walked through them if welcomed through their journey to what got them there and during my latter years it was really difficult for my family because I would go to individuals who performed heinous crimes who were, you know, whether they be in jail for an exuberant amount of time or they be institutionalized for life where they're not able to return to the, you know, community. And 
when I would meet with them, I would obviously with, you know, privacy acts and HIPAA regulations, I would say, you know, I met this amazing person. And this individual unfortunately murdered A, B, and C and his family, A, B, and C. Or I met this pedophile and it was so hard to hear of their situation. And my family would be wide-eyed and jaw-dropped. How dare you talk to that monster? How dare you talk to that individual? And it was to me to stop and say, you know them as a label. You don't know them as a person. And to go back to what you said, Joseph, is as far as forgiving, we may have difficulty to forgive, but we have to think of, which was very powerful for me, the mindset, the conditions, and the situations, not only of you at the time, but the individual, for that's all they know. That's all they've been experienced or exposed to. That's all they've been dealt with their life or the limited lack of arrogance and ignorance that they have portrayed or obtained. And when we look beyond the labels, the names, the stereotypes and the stigmatisms, that's when we will truly get to the heart and connect with them and forgive them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Andrea, it is... I remember, I remember exactly where I was at when I approached my dad and told him that I forgave him for the abuse, you know, and now again, this is a church family. We, we were born and raised in church. I always said, I always said my parents had a drug ministry. They drug us to church every time the doors were open. Okay. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Friday night prayer and Saturday night for something. I don't know if it was something going on, you know? And my dad, you know, it was, he was acting one way behind, you know, closed doors and things like that and, and stuff like that. But I remember the day I walked up to him and we're sitting down at the back of church. And I just said, dad, I said, I want to tell you that I forgive you for the way you treated mom, the way you touched mom or hit mom, the way you hit me and, and, and the abuse. And I was not prepared for the answer. I had in my mind what I thought he should say, you know, very empathetic, you know, sorry, son. And, he, and this is what he said to me. He said, son, I didn't know I was doing anything wrong. And in my mind, I'm like, how on God's green earth could you not rationalize that hitting somebody, verbally abusing them, physically abusing them, emotionally abusing them was wrong? And that was, was going through my mind. I, and it was taking every bit of God in me not to hit him. You know, maybe it's probably good that I did it in church, you know. <laughs> but I went outside and I talked to a pastor friend of mine. He was an evangelist. And I told him, he says, Joseph, he says, you have to put yourself in the shoes of your dad. Because one thing that my dad said, and I remembered him saying it, I just didn't pay attention to it because when he made that comment, everything else that he said afterwards was just Charlie Brown talking, wah, 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 wah. And he said this, this is what my dad said, I'll never forget this. When he made the comment, he says, that's what I thought I was supposed to do because that's what happened to me. I didn't hear that to begin with. 
I heard it, but I didn't comprehend it. And it was later on that when that pastor friend of mine told me that, then even years later, I'm like, I put myself in those shoes. I'm like, this is how my dad was raised. When, when is there really a true instruction booklet on how to be a father or a mother or a child? There's not. We can give tips on how to raise, and but there's really not. And if you go back to our parents, their age, and then how they were treated, you know, is it's kind of like divorce nowadays. It, statistics show that if you divorce, you know, one time, that it's a 50% chance that you happen a second time, and then it's even higher and higher and higher. And when it becomes acceptable that that happens, then it's easier to do it again. And so when you look back at my father being raised in a very stern, disciplinary, abusive home, it became easy for him to do it because it worked, quote unquote, for him. He was a well-mannered kid, stayed out of trouble. So if it worked for him, and if I turned out anything like him, we were already doomed as it was, <laughs> you know? So because of that, he reverted to what? He reverted to what he knew, what he knew worked. But the healing really came for me is when I put myself in his shoes. And I started to think, well, if that was the way I was raised, that that was the way he was raised, then it must have been acceptable for him to do the same thing to me. But I had the choice to continue in that or to change Absolutely. And that that's a huge insight that a lot of us don't allow ourselves to do because we our ego gets inside our pride, go, pride gets in the best of us. Well, if I look at it from their end, I'm giving permission and approval that it was okay to happen to me. And that's not at all what we're saying. We're saying think of the conditions at hand of the incident and the individual and what choices they had at the time and where their mindset was. And I find myself, you know, questioning that with our own son, you know, with our own child, when we get upset and we get frustrated, you know, and with everything that's going on, you know, me and him have been under the same roof for almost two years straight and constantly, you know, in, in, in our own space. Yeah. And you realize, oh, my goodness, you know, not only do you have someone who reflects you, but then you can only have a limited amount of time until we do need our space. We do are all aching and, and suffering in some sort of way, whichever way you put it, that are, that our limitations are prevalent at this time. And how many people you look out now with all the different scenarios in different parts of the world where there is restrictions, now are you in the same home with your your victim and your predator? And how do we overcome that? How do we heal from that? How do we break away from that? And I'm glad you shared that story because I, similar in my journey recently over the past year, had shared my story on a platform and one individual said, oh, my goodness, I never thought of the recipient of the bullying's perspective. And I 
took a liberty upon myself and I said, well, to let you know, I'm forgiving you for all those for whom you bullied. And that person was jaw dropped and just kind of speechless. And sometimes it takes the courage and strength to walk up to that individual in a civil and respectful manner and say, I forgive you. And most importantly, when you go home, to forgive the reflection in the mirror, because we no longer need to bring these shackles, these anchors with us anymore, because that's what's going to weigh us and be those roadblocks in the way to our success and happiness. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think it's, it's just so hard. And, and here's the thing for the listeners, whether you believe in God, whether you believe in the universe, superpower, whatever the case is, okay, forgiveness is still a powerful tool, no matter what, you know, yes, I choose to believe that God forgives me. That's my faith. And I am never going to push my faith on anybody, never, because I want people to be able to, to listen and to, to, to hear my heart and things. It doesn't take you to have a belief in a supreme being to walk into the mirror or look at yourself in the mirror or in your phone or whatever the case is and say, you know what, Joseph, I forgive you. I forgive you for not knowing. I forgive you for knowing and still doing. I forgive you for blaming yourself. Because that's what, that's what a lot of trauma turns into shame. And that shame is not, the shame, it, it becomes a blaming thing. You know, we get mad, so we point the fingers. Then it becomes a, well, it was my fault. You know, and it's completely, it's okay to be in that place. It's not okay to stay in that place because we all at some point in our life are in there. We're, we're there. We, we've blamed, we've shamed, we've had guilt, we've had resentment. You name it, we, we, at some point in time, if you haven't experienced, you're going to experience it, okay? And it's okay that you have. It's not okay to stay there because the fact of staying there can lead like what you said. When you are going through all of that, that unforgiveness within yourself, the ailments that was happening to your body, the way I think now, all the injuries that I had in my life, a lot of it was due to stupidity, okay? <laughs> but I sit there and I think now, I'm like, why is my left shoulder hurting? Am I going through something that's causing ailments in my own body? Because if we have the ability, and a lot of people may be out there, maybe, uh, you know, the law of affirmations, right, you know? Um, I believe what I call is prophesying over my situation or prophesying over speaking things into existence. If I can speak something into existence for the good and it happened to me, then I also have the ability to be able to speak something negative into my life and it still happened to me. Because the law of attraction is up to me in terms of whether I want it to be good or bad. When we sit there and say, well, I'm not going to get enough sleep tonight because I'm staying, well, we're self-sabotaging, right? Or I, I, I've got the sniffle, so I must be coming down with a cold, you know, or I've got a cough, so I must have COVID, you know, or, you know, unfortunately we have to use that nowadays. Um, 
you know, one of the most coolest things that ever happened to me in manifesting something is when I heard Tony Robbins, when I actually got past his raspy voice <laughs> and the thought of him kind of being an overnight sensation. I really thought that about Tony <laughs> is when I listened to him for the first time, like really, really listened to him. I said, I'm going to speak on stage with this man. Now, this was March of 2008, uh, 2018, June of 2018, three months later, March, April, May, June. Okay. I was speaking on stage with him. Yes. You know, and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was the power of manifesting, but yet it happens in our life every single day. Okay. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. So we can sit there and say, you know what? I forgive myself for blaming. Honestly, it's probably one of the first things that I ever start with because that's what we do. We blame ourselves for being in a situation of, well, I shouldn't have been at the party and that's why I was raped. Or I should have spoken up and that's why my dad cut on molesting me. Or I didn't speak up enough. We start playing scenarios to justify the actions of the other person by blaming ourselves instead of saying, you know what? I choose not to blame myself anymore and to get on the road to healing by simply forgiving myself. Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, absolutely. I am so happy you touched on this because, you know, that's why I, I studied psychology. The subconscious does not know if it's real life or not, as soon as that thought is in our mind, it happens. And I really practiced this for a long time. And the it almost became where people would call me a witch, which is better than the other word that rhymes with that. And they were just like, how do you do this? You know, how do you, how are you, you know, creating this? What is going on that you're, you know, all of these things happen for you. And what's amazing was during my journey, I will show you, this is my vision board. Yes, look at And that. these look are that. all the people, Abraham Hicks right yes. here. This was my internship in uh, the Upper West Side, who I'd done an internship, a motivational sleep, uh, speaker slash comedian. And I've worked with Mr. Brown, as you can see here, to Eric Thomas, Tony Robbins, you name it, all of the greats. And it's just, mine does not know the difference between good or bad. Just yes. like if a child says, I'm hungry. They're going to be hungry. I have to go to how many times are you in just a social setting? Someone gets up from the table. I have to go to the bathroom. Well, now I have to go to the bathroom. Exactly. It's just <laughs> common core. And that's what we have to be mindful of. And Joseph, the probably one of the things I hear all the time that is so difficult for individuals is when we study as we study this, the law of attraction and so on and so forth, ask, believe and receive. And nine times out of 10, where people fall short is the believing process, the wow. empathy, the feeling of it. I really do believe that I forgive myself. What I had done was not of my knowledge. It happened in the past and I'm ready to change it. I'm ready to make a choice. And I believe better days are coming. Yeah. And that is where we fall short is because we either feel deservant of the maltreatment. Like you've said, we find different reasons and validations for why we were treated so poorly. But what's amazing is we don't, when somebody compliments us, we find reasons 
to falsify that statement, yes. which I find is so amazing. And as we're having a good time here, just for example, like in social media, we have 99 likes of a million people saying, great job, Joseph, great job. And then that one click of a dislike, all of our attention yes. goes directed towards the negativity. And it's just like you've basically left your whole cheerleading squad and your support team abandoned. Yeah. And we need to take that energy from the naysayers and the non-believers and learn, critique, assess, and reflect of that. And as we're having a good time, it's just a matter of, you know, taking up that, taking that initiative, yeah. taking that leap of faith and saying, I've got this because I believe in me and I know something is good that's about to happen. Yeah. And what's amazing through this journey is I, I have connected with so many people and I found my family beyond borders. Oh. And they are the ones that are, you know, carrying me and sidecar on the front line, supporting me as well as I'm supporting them. Yes. And in doing so, I'd love to give at this point Everyone who's watching this on playback or, you know, on podcast, grab your cell phone, go to am.pressplay and type in Joseph James to get your complimentary gift of a session with me. For I feel it is important that you know your worth. Allow the obstacles wow. and your fears and tears to be wiped away. For these are false beliefs, mishaps misunderstandings and misfortunes that happened in the past. Today is a new day. Today is a gift. Today is a present to give your presence to individuals. Look at how wonderful life can be. We don't have a ticket that says our timestamp of our departure and nobody, as Mr. Brown says, gets out of here alive. And it's a worth for us to live a life we love as opposed to a life we're barely surviving. And how many times have you seen people fear their dreams, fear their passions because feel fear of failure? Well, Joseph, my biggest fear, I was so scared to share with people because why? I feared success. I knew that whatever I was going to do, I was going all in 100%. Tony Robbins made this amazing speech and prefaced it with this. What if the day you were born, you were, we, we were told that we were dying? I'll never forget that preface to his speech because maybe, just maybe, we'd look at about how we live and serve others and live our lives to the fullest and see how much we can give, how possible things are. I have an amazing person in my life who has conquered adversity, who has beat the sea condition, as I am very careful with my words. And in doing so, to this day, continues to tell me, Andrea, nothing is impossible because you must say I'm possible. And I'll never forget that because I know we have so much more to give that we're only giving an ounce. Marianne Williams says, it's not our dark that's our deepest fear, but our light that we are more beyond measure, more powerful than beyond measure. Excuse me, paraphrased. 
But if we just look at the connection we make here today to our listeners, to the audience, someone is watching, someone is listening, and we can be that light for that younger version of us that was in the darkness. And with our stories and our experiences, we have so much to give, so much to care for, so much to love. And it's our puzzle piece that our creator gave to us to allow us to rise and unite and not conquer and divide. Be kind with one another, love yourself, love yourself, be patient and be the best version of you. That's uh, got me teary-eyed here. Uh, it just, you know, we all struggle with things. We all, and that's the reason why I started this podcast was not just the premise of my wife and her journey of cancer, you know, or my dad. That, that, that's kind of how it started, but here's ultimately the premise behind this and the vision behind this. And you were just, you were just hitting it so hard right there is it says in the word of God, it says in Hebrews 4, 15, it says, for we have not a high priest who can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And what that means is Jesus could not, could not be touched with the feeling. He couldn't, he could not act because he was so touched by our sickness, by our disease, by our hurt, by our pain. Every time in the word of God where Jesus went to go heal somebody, he says he, he was moved with compassion. You know, I can't touch what I cannot feel. I thought when my wife was going through cancer, I thought it was so she can touch and minister to other people. But I didn't realize it until the day that she was, it was the night that she was passing away. She's going through the stages of death. Okay, and I watched this video of a pastor talking about this very thing. And I watched this video again, and I'm like, oh, my God, this was for me. This is my why. Because we all experience pain at some sort of degree in our life. You started experiencing it at the age of 11 months of age. You may not have felt it at that moment, but it came later on. Some people start to feel it when words of, I wish I never had you. I wish I would have never dated you. I wish we would have never gotten married. I wish you would have never been born. All those things, the power of words, the power of pain. And I had this saying that says, pain, and this is something that I shared with, with Tony on that day that I was able to speak is, I believe that pain is life's greatest crutch. I also believe it's life's greatest teacher. We have the choice for pain to get us stuck like glue, or it could be the very thing that launches us into our destiny. The choice is ours. You know, and to have somebody like yourself on, on this show is, is the very definition of, of this right here, because you didn't allow your pain to find you as a statistic of just growing up in an adopted family or possibly even running away from a foster home to foster home or becoming a statistic in your own home country. You know, 
but yet you use that very pain to launch you into the destiny of going into social work and psychology and, and life coaching and, you know, creating, developing your plan life according to you. Because that's what it is, right? It's, it's our life. It's our choice. I, I have this other saying right here. I'll, I'll close with this. I feel like I'm preaching. <laughs> is when we're walking through fire, fire can only do one of two things. It can refine us or it can destroy us. The choice is ours. You know, listeners, I just, this is an episode that I'm going to go back and listen to over and over and over again. Not because of Andre and I have such a great relationship. We actually just met on social media last week. I think it's been like a week now. And (laughs) I I reached out to her and she gladly and honorably accepted the invitation to come on because I see value in what she has, not only from her background, but what she offers now. I wish that I would have had this 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, because I wouldn't be of the age of 43 going through therapy and going through, uh, uh, you know, expressing trauma and teaching what I've learned. But I thank God that I'm 40, almost 43 years old and going through it now because there was a reason, there was a design, there was a purpose. And if you're out there and you're listening and you're going through something, you have gone through something, or maybe something's about to happen, we, we, we don't know, is don't be afraid to reach out to people like Andrea. Don't. She said on there, am.pressplay, P-R-E-S-S-P-L-A-Y, and then type in Joseph James so free to receive your free gift. Listen, I, I can tell you one, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm, I'm going to, if I have to create a fake profile to create, to get my own gift, I will. <laughs> you're included. You're included, my friend. No, I don't have to. I'm going to do less brown. No, I'm just kidding. Um, is take advantage of things like this. Take advantage of it because you never know, number one, the freedom, the breakthrough, the forgiveness, the healing that's going to take place in your own life. I was taught in the Marine Corps, you never go to a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychiatrist or even the chaplain to complain or to bring up things that have to do with your mental health. We were taught not to do it. It was shunned upon. And I thank God that I didn't go through things at that time in my life that I needed to. But I always had a negative connotation or a negative feeling about going to a therapist. I think for combat, those that went through it because it really opened up doors for that. I thank God for people like Sam Biles with the USA Olympic team to sit there and say, on the greatest stage of my life, I'm going to step back and declare I need help with my own mental health. Don't be afraid to do this. Don't be afraid to take this step, reach out to Andrea and ask for help. Okay, I she's not going to publicize you. She's not going to call you out and say you have issues. This is a lady right now because I can feel her energy and I can feel her coming through uh, the communication here. The audio and the video is she's a real deal. She's a real deal. And there's not many people that I come on here. I don't know if I've ever said this honestly, 
but this is something you absolutely need to take advantage of in terms of reaching out. If you're going through, have already gone through it, and maybe you don't realize that you have issues that you have replaced instead of fixed. Because she's talking to them, man, what have I replaced? Because I know I've done it. Because I'm supposed to be a strong one for my kids. I'm supposed to be a strong one for my wife. I'm supposed to be a strong one for you know, the future girlfriends or future spouse. It's like, but I need to be the strong one for nobody else first than myself. Absolutely. And it's most important, Joseph, to piggyback what you're saying. I do not dictate. I do not lecture. I listen. I learn. And all is done with love and integrity. You know, and what's most important, I want people to realize and understand this from my heart. Words can be wisdom or weapons. And through the toughest times, miracles are made. Follow your heart and not the herd. Through life's trials and tribulations, triumphs are won. And when you learn to press play, plan life according to you in your life, freedom and happiness, as I said, and success are on the other side. It is not, and Mr. Brown says this all the time, and I love and admire him for this. Vulnerability is not a sign of weakness, but it is a sign of strength. You may be stuck right now. You may be lost, but nobody else is going to help you until you help yourself first. And once you have self-awareness and self-discovery, that's when the healing begins because that's right. going to find your true authentic self. As Matthew McConaughey says, the due process of elimination, you rule out who you don't want to be and you adopt and add in who you want to be and build your legacy of love for, like I said, we are all one. And the more we understand that, the more we approve and accept that, the better this place is going to be. I promise you that I am here for you. No excuses, just results. And I'm here to help you or use to utilize the tools that were given by our creator and live your best life because you deserve it. Thank you, Joseph, for having me. I am so grateful and honored to be here today. I appreciate it to the audience. Again, ampressplay at gmail.com for your complimentary session with me. Let's connect and let you live your best life because you're worth it. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to finding true freedom and breakthrough.